and welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Well, we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron of Glacier Musical, joined by my good friend, a musical educator, not a legislator from Leeds, United Kingdom. How are we doing today? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Doing fine. Yeah. Just um, lots of things going on. You know, it's getting to that uh, festive time of year. You've just um, on in the pre-roll, you've just explained that it's even more of a festive time of year for you. But um, it's getting oh, to yeah. that my, time, you know. My December is the greatest month because uh, tomorrow night we're celebrating our 14th wedding anniversary. Going out to dinner and having a good night. Uh, it's actually on Tuesday, December 5th, which for my American listeners, that is the anniversary of the repeal of prohibition. So that makes it, uh, we didn't know that when we chose the date, it just kind of turned out that way. But there are also, I think, like six or seven different dates that they call the repeal date. So, but I'm choosing this one to be the real one because I got married that, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, also, my birthday is December 23rd, which is how I achieved my Christian name, Nicholas, named after St. Nicholas, of course. And of course, then we have Christmas and then we have uh, New Year's Eve and all that kind of wonderful business. I am already planning and stocking up for Christmas dinner. My brother-in-law has requested a roast duck. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's I would say that's quite unusual in the UK, but actually um at my parents' house, duck has been the general Christmas dinner serving for, uh, really? for many years. Yeah, it's unusual. That's they, that's just what they go for, yeah. Hmm. Um I, I, I love yeah, duck. I do like a bit of duck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never actually cooked one. I asked if he wanted to try a lamb roast. He said no, but I would go for duck. I said, all right, let me buy another Dutch oven, which I did when they went on sale. So now I have two Dutch wow. ovens. So I am now like Arthur Two Sheds Jackson. You can now call me Nick Two Dutch Ovens. <laughs> but anyway, Indeed. as we cool. prattle, prattle on, I'm going to – today we are lucky to have a guest. We have somebody from Arkansas. I do not say Arkansas, and I will not ever – uh wait 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 what 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 oh I, yeah see uh, our guest is from right okay okay i wanted to have this discussion yes there's kansas and then there's arkansas which is arkansas why but why also don't you say it? i want we need to know there's an as there it's not aw I know that's what I'm saying. So if what, they exactly, wanted it to be Kansas. Arkansas, they should have spelled it Arkansas. Well, yeah, and there's like literally Kansas, a few state like what to the. To the oh, New we don't recognize. Nobody recognizes North, Kansas North, because it's next to Missouri, and you share Kansas City. So you uh, don't like Kansas. It. Kansas is full of terrorists. Back in the old okay. days, before they were a state, they'd come across the border and terrorize us. They are terrorists. Well, okay, all the right. Kansas, okay. The University of Kansas or Kansas State or something. I don't know. I'm not a college sports person, but the but Jayhawks. Point, were yeah. a group of terrorists that would come over and murder Missourians uh, wow. in the pre-state days. So yeah, we don't rec nobody recognizes and they haven't, Kansas. And they haven't moved on since then. Like that's just still going on. Right no, now, now we yeah. have. Now it's just like a college football rivalry. Okay, okay, but yeah, it's, but but my point being, you've got Kansas, and then a, like a couple of states, like you know, south and east. You've got what looks like Arkansas and it's like you know that all makes sense but then no 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 you have to say Arkansas and I, don't I will not say Arkansas okay but why do they say Arkansas the, they are choosing to believe that they are using the correct name of indigenous tribes 
Okay. Now so I'm does point that mean out... that they would say that Kansas should be Kansas, or is it is it just is it just a coincidence <laughs> that those names are? I've so never had that conversation. I'm you okay. know you can ask our guest here momentarily if you okay. will allow me to finish my introduction. Sorry, sorry. No problem. I that was great. Uh, we of course are bringing in a great uh, musician from a great town according to lieutenant dan from forrest gump little rock's a fine town little rock alabama we are of course bringing in brandon ringo of the the sludge doom band mammoth caravan how are we doing today i'm doing wonderful technically i'm from louisiana so i didn't take arkansas history okay you know what okay we we in st louis missouri we recognize louisiana Oh yeah, I'm from the town of North Louisiana. It's so it's like it's oh no, not, not there. All swamps and stuff. It's oh like, no, no, just we only recognize the swamp part. <laughs> I think you were saying you you have a birthday, um, a relevant birthday to the conversation as well, Brandon. It's on Christmas Day. Nice. Or I don't know if that's. I mean, is that re- a really cool thing? Because it's like no, uh, you know, no. Or is, it really not a some people like it because it's like do you um, know what i want for christmas more than anything and i'm sure and, and brandon will never have this but what i want for christmas more than anything is just a goddamn birthday i want a birthday that is just nick's birthday there you go there you know you how go. hard it is to get you know what the the highest turnout at any birthday celebration i ever had was seven wowza Wow, yes, you and I was people show up to your Christmas birthday two day before birth, two day, but yeah, and I was thrilled. I'm like, holy crap, I got seven, and I was only related to three of them. It was amazing. <laughs> nice man, nice. Sorry, so well, Brandon... no, it's, and also really quickly, Shane McGowan, who um, R.I.P., who died, and um, was it like two days ago? His birthday was also um, Christmas Day. So, um, but yeah, sad, sad news um, on that one. But uh, yes. Okay. I guess at this point in time, Duncan, you have to now tell us when your birthday is. Um, It is in... He's thinking. I don't know if I want to reveal my birthday, but it's it's in February. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. (laughs) February. All righty. We'll accept February. Wait, what month did you say? February. But do we do I pronounce that strangely or something to you or what? Perhaps we like to discuss the the very the various very difference in language of our shared we, common. We tongue. miss out the R. We don't say February. Do you say February? We don't no. Say in fact, it. I misspelled the word for at least twenty years because I'm like, what? What? There's an R. Yeah, we we say basically February, but I kind I suppose I maybe I sometimes half say the R. I don't know February. All I don't right. know. I don't know. Who knows? All right. So. What I have been told is that Mammoth Caravan is going to be re-releasing their debut record on vinyl. Is this true? Yes. Actually, we just got the vinyl in. Of, uh, it was about a month or so ago of our debut album, Ice Color Oblivion. And uh, earlier this week, we just recorded a brand new album, which we're going to be putting out next year, which sounds uh, completely different from everything we've done before in a very exciting way. That is awesome. How would you, for for our listeners that are that are new to you, how would you describe what you do? Uh, our music is very. Uh, if you listen to us on Spotify, it's very sludgy and very doomy. Um, our live show is uh, is just kind of a which is a 
a giant ball of chaos and energy. And so it's kind of, you know, it's two different experiences. But, but yeah, I think the operative word here is sludge. You know, everything is rooted in, in very, like, you know, bands like Tool and Isis and, like, the Melvins, Mastodon, Electric Wizard, and Sleep. Those are the bands that we, like, you know, adore and try to sort of, that's the direction that we're pushing in you know what i mean if that makes sense that would be the first time that i've ever heard anybody compare or at least mention tool and electric wizard in the same breath and <laughs> but but I, I get it man i get it and, i'm um, now wondering why this is the first time why i haven't been hearing this forever because that totally makes sense in my brain yeah and i like the, you know what what i was listening to i i heard i did totally hear sludge but i was also hearing a slightly more like the and I I always overuse this word according to Nick, but psychedelic kind of sound. You know, you have um some of these sort of hypnotic, um, arpeggiated quiet bits and things like that going on, which I thought was really cool. And maybe maybe that's perhaps the those are the parts that perhaps are more in the tool like prog rock sort of vein. Um, I don't know, but I liked it a lot anyway. It's inspired a lot by an Arkansas band called Wake. It's their name is R W A K E, and they're like uh, one of the biggest bands from the state. And so their music kind of inspired a lot of that weird uh, type stuff that you hear like that. Nice. I am not. I think nice. we're both googling them right now. <laughs> yeah, Wake is is very very much the reason why I even kind of play this type of music, and their vocalist C T. Uh, it's like kind of the reason why Mammoth Caravan's been able to do a lot of the things we've been able to do. You know, they're they're very much them, Dead Bird and Paul Bear are like the heroes nice. of Arkansas Doom, you know. Yeah. I know Paul Bear. I don't know Dead Bird, but um yeah, I'm just looking at so you just literally pronounce it wake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at them now on uh on the interweb contraption. So yeah, cool. I'll check them out. I had to look them up on my phone because with where my microphone is, it's right in front of my keyboard now. But let's move on into, and of course we will put your Bandcamp links in the bottom, is the is the uh, the vinyl, is that on? Where will, oh, yeah, that is right there. Oh, my God, I'm looking at it. Is that the picture on, this, on Bandcamp? Is that the mock-up or is that what you actually have? Yeah, that's what it actually looks like. Red and black are like wow, wow, wow. I'm just trying to look at that now. He's on a saw blade. Sorry, technical difficulties here. So anyway, yeah, it's it's very rare that the splatters look that cool. That is awesome. That is very cool. Okay, cool. Uh, moving on, of course, I'll put the the Bandcamp link and all that stuff in the 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 show notes. What the name of the um, album is? I don't know if we actually quite ice cold oblivion. Know. Nice. I happen to think so. So, what are we discussing today? Okay, so today we are talking about. Well, okay, so some more. Um, sad news in the music world unfortunately um jordy walker guitar player for killing joke through most of their um existence um has sadly died um so um 
yeah, very sad news. I think it was quite a sudden thing. I think he had a stroke maybe about a week ago. Um, I'd not heard anything about him being ill previously. Um, I saw Killing Joke twice in the space of about a year, about a year ago. So, um, and they were fantastic both times. Um, you know, with with Geordie Walker on guitar doing his brilliant stuff. You know, very innovative player, um, no known as being highly influential. But anyway, so yeah, that's sad news. But we're doing um a record featuring uh the the very same Geordie Walker, but also featuring um members of Public Image Limited and ministry related people as well. So this is the Damage Manual, their self-titled album from the year 2000, featuring Geordie Walker, Jar Wobble, formerly of Public Image Limited, Martin Atkins from um, Pig Face, also Public Image Limited for at least one album, maybe two. Um, and then Chris Connolly, who has um, worked with all sorts of people in the sort of industrial world, including ministry i believe um and all sorts of offshoot bands um and super groups and things like that um and what else do i need to say um yeah martin atkins i think has been in ministry for a while as well so i guess we're talking about ministry killing joke and public image limited more than anything else um this is kind of a follow-on from a record we did i don't know how long ago it was perhaps a year ago which was called murder inc um which was a similar lineup, but the bass player was different. Um, and I've actually forgotten who the bass player was now. I think it might have been Youth from Killing Joke on bass. I saw that I saw Murder Inc. in my research day, and I thought to myself, wow, that seems really familiar. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling it was Youth from Killing Joke on bass. I really should know this, but um, but anyway, so there's one member different. Um, so yeah, in terms of the background about this well I, I should probably stop talking and um let someone else talk about the background of what led up to this record being released in the year 2000 now here's where i want to say i've got all sorts of background but i don't uh as for oh, well, the... I've, got, I've got some if you need but like you know i've I was done just a trying bunch to... of reading about it if y'all want to talk yeah know. go, go absolutely go for it brandon so what it sounds like is basically uh Jordy Walker, Martin Atkins, and um and Ja Wobble were all like created this music together that kind of had this sound in the early like in the year two thousand or whatever, and they needed a vocalist. And I find it interesting because they were gonna ask uh John Lydon, but like they ended up getting Chris Connolly from Ministry and uh and it ended up I feel like if they had gotten John Lydon, it would have been a completely different record, you know, but Chris Connolly kind of gave it this much darker, more uh, industrial and cool kind of feel to it. So, um, yeah. And it's like no. a super group of dudes that have like already been in successful bands and been in bands together before. It's just like another little thing. And it's just sort of, you know, I think that's what makes it. So this record so interesting and special to me. So also, I'm a huge Chris Connolly fan. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, yeah, I think just looking at this, it appears that 
they were actually going to make it a reformed version of Public Image Limited, who I who I believe had not been active for a few years since sometime in the late nineties. Previous podcast point. subject, Public Image Limited. Exactly. So I think and Jar Wobble and um, Martin Atkins had both been in public in a version of Public Image Limited at the same time with the John Lydon. So they'd only be bass player and drummer. That is. So there would only be one one member different. If they'd have got um, John Lydon in, it would have been like the classic Public Image Limited lineup with just a different guitarist because Keith Levine was the guitarist in Public Image at that time. So that that would have been way more original members of Public Image Limited than are in Public Image Limited now, which is one, um, essentially. So um, there you go. Um, but it didn't work out. I think they did ask John Lydon and he didn't want to do it. Um, so, yeah, and the, and they'd worked with Chris Connolly previously in Murdering, or two out of the three of them had. So, yeah, they just they just kind of uh, got got him involved. And it's uh, perhaps... Well, in my mind, it was it it was almost the sequel to Murder Inc. Looking at the lineups and the the whole idea behind these two bands, but we'll get onto the track by track in a minute, and we'll find out that perhaps that isn't so much the case. Um, just, oh, just to pop in, the bass player for Murder Inc. was Paul Raven. Oh, really? No, it was Youth on the album. Paul Raven must have replied. I'm sure it was Youth, and then Paul Raven replaced him. I'm sure it says that is on the CD. That's what it says in the 1992 really? CD edition. Okay, in which case I um, where have I got this idea of youth being in one of these bands? Then um, okay, fair enough. I just don't. Yeah, okay, fair. And fair, I have no enough. recollection of Murder Inc. I know we did it, and that that was how we came across this album was the Murder Inc. album. Exactly. exactly. Which is also why I fought so hard to do this album, but that's just Nick. Yeah, in, indeed, indeed. Um, but yeah, so there's in terms of background, then other than that, um, let me just have a look. Well, did anybody? There's not a whole lot of information here. They decided to get together. They did the record. Has anyone got anything else on this? I have nothing else, unfortunately. I think the other dudes eventually like. I feel like they ran into a string of bad luck, and then eventually they like stopped doing stuff and then reformed with like other lineups and stuff. And like they still, I think they still do this band, but like I think it's mostly Martin Adkins and just a bunch of randos, basically. Well, this is the funny thing because yeah, they they it seems to kind of fizzle out. Um, they they did another record with a different lineup. Um where I think Jar Wobble and I'm just trying to look now. Um, yeah, Jar Wobble and maybe Geordie Walker, that's right, were both out of the band and they got this guy, Stephen Seibold, in, who was from Hate Department. Um, or I, th I think basically he is Hate Department. It's a band name, but it's really just him. So um, they did another album under that name in, what, 2005? following a couple of remix albums of the first one. And then, yeah, they I think they had a few spates of illnesses and then a few tours got cancelled and things like that. And um, then it all seemed to fizzle out. And by 2008, I think they'd split up. Or, yeah, but it says here they were active again in 2012. And then 
strangely enough, it says 2023 to present on the Wikipedia, which suggests that they've just reformed. I don't know. Can I just say that Jaw Wobble is my favorite name? Yeah. It's a good name. <laughs> it's a good name. His real name is John Wardle. That's a good change. Jaw Wobble is way more memorable. There you go. I believe he was christened by um, John Lydon. I could uh, be wrong, but I think was, so. Wasn't it like Sid Vicious? No, because Vicious wasn't in the band. Well, although he's, he was friends with them, to be fair, so it's entirely possible, actually. I think there was four of them called the Four Johns. Um, yeah, and I think Sid Vicious might have been one of them because he's got about four names somehow. Like, some people know him as Sid. Some people know, knew him as something else. I don't know. I th- I feel like I've... I've taken myself down a rabbit hole of um, late 70s punk um, trivia, and I can't remember it all. All righty. Well, let's move away from that and into some brand new music. So, Brandon, we're going to play one of your tracks now. Would you please introduce it? Oh, so this song is called Petroglyphs, and it's it's a song that we did a music video for at a local park and uh, with my with our at the time our drummer's dog and uh you know the song is uh it's weird because it's like a doom song but the guys were like hey you sh-? i was because I, I had been doing kind of a clean vocal kind of not really clean but kind of a sh- shouting and then they were like you should do like a low vocal because you know they'd see me do karaoke and stuff and doing growls so i decided to try a growl on this song uh when we were like practicing it and it like worked and so now it's like my fav- one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, and uh, just because it's, you know, it's the lyrics are about cave drawings and stuff. But to me, like, it tells a much more important story about how, like, these things that we do, these artifacts, you know, this music we create, it's pretty much, you know, it's all we got. You know what I mean? Whenever we're gone, sometimes a lot of this stuff is, is all we're remembered by. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so I guess that's what the lyrics mean to me, at least. I absolutely love that introduction. And we will play Petroglyphs now, and then we will come back for the track by track.
And we're back. Great song. Thank you, Brandon. Let us now move into the track by track. Ooh. I said I was going to get witty, but I don't think I'm going to get witty. Uh, track one is called King Mob. Okay, who's starting? Am I starting or is Brandon starting? You start a big guy. Uh, is that me? Am I a big guy? Yeah, you're a big guy. Okay. Now, apparently. All right. All right, I'm big guy. Right. Okay, so King Mob, it starts with bleepy, trancey synths and some ambience, and then this sort of clean but affecty guitar comes in with some strumming. It's odd it's strange it took me it caught me off guard i was expecting industrial this doesn't quite feel like that this feels like dance music mixed with somebody um strumming in a singer songwritery sort of style then there's these drawled slightly off slightly out of tune sometimes double tracked vocals um and you know what it took me sort of 15 seconds but after that time i was like yeah, this is really cool. It's odd. It's not what I expected, but I like this. It um, It's dark. It's lo-fi. It's odd. It's weird. Um, it's a bit punk, but, um, it, but yeah, it's cool. Anyway, then it kicks in with this massive um, dubby bass, which is unmistakably jar wobble and absolutely distinctive. And these huge, again, dubby drums and... Yes, straight away. Um, this is for me. This is absolutely up my street or up my alley, or as you you guys might say. Um, it, it's it's quite public image limited. Unsurprisingly, there's two out of the four original, well, not original, but classic lineup members. Um, public image limited. Um, really cool slow grooves. It's like a one chord drone jam feel. Um. Great melodies, a bit rough around the edges, but I think intentionally so in the way that they're delivered. I thought the vocals were great. I remember when we did Murder Inc. that the I think we weren't so impressed with the vocals all the way through. We found them a bit inconsistent, but they seem to be more confident here and more focused. Um, and the style, I think last, I think with Murder Inc, we felt the style of the voice didn't always fit the music here. It all seemed great. So yeah, I really, really liked this track. Um, yes. To me, this song, like the vocals, Chris Conley's voice on this reminds me a lot of David Bowie. If he was just like on a lot of drugs and stuff, you know, and like, also I really, really, really liked the, uh, I don't know, just the way everything he the way he does is I've been I was kind of reading the lyrics and like I don't know what the hell he's talking about or whatever. But like the way he structures his like lyrics and the the rhyming pattern and stuff is so fascinating to me, you know. And like I just love that bleakness in his voice. I gotta say, I love how much you guys enjoyed this and I'm really thrilled for you. Um I my first thought listening to this track was, oh, my God, did I run into some whacked out version of heroin by Velvet Underground? <laughs> and the, yeah, and that's why it's so cool, man. That's why it's not. Uh, if I had to listen to this song again or eat a pickled onion buddy, I don't know what I would do. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I did predict that you might felt feel like this about um this album although there's a lot more of this album to come so we'll find <laughs> quite we'll a find bit out. more yes uh wow it's 68 minutes long by the way this record this is the cd era yeah i got no pun for the next one so we're just going to call this one age of urges 
Okay, Age of Urges. So this track, um, this is much more metal-ish. I mean, it's not metal, but it's much closer to, I guess, what I was expecting, which was something quite heavy and metal-ish with some electronic elements, um, perhaps. Um, so you've got this big, industrial, steady drum beat, um and it's a bit house-ish as well. So it is still a bit dance music um, influenced. Um, and But these very dark and big, massive, distorted guitars. Um, and that was great. Really liked that combination. Some really nice harmony vocals. They reminded me of Alice in Chains. And I know I'm like a stock record on this. It's it's almost it feels like every time I hear harmony vocals, I say they sound like Alice in Chains, but 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 they do. Everyone seemed to be copying Alice in Chains. But anyway, as it continues, it gets more and more trippy, more and more dancey, more and more um like sort of psychedelic house music. And, and, you know, Public Image Limited had an edge of that about them as well. But you've got these bleepy synths, um, brilliant guitar work, really fantastic stuff, interesting, innovative guitar work, you know, as always um, from Jodie Walker. Um, shouted chorus with some great melodies. Um, and it starts to remind me of like a housey, dubby version of Nine Inch Nails. And yeah, look, I, I found this, this I, I have to say, I liked this possibly more than I expected to because you know Murder Inc maybe was imperfect um you know I don't think we liked that all the way through certainly but um no this was fantastic um shame about the YouTube version that I was listening to because the sound quality wasn't great um but yeah it's it's brilliant so there you go it's funny you mentioned Nine Inch Nails because I actually have in my notes that it reminds me a lot of like head like a hole and like the way it's real punchy and aggressive in the industrial and like it's it's like something that you could like bang your head to but also shake your ass to at the same time if you're like capable of that you know and it's like super abrasive i thought the song was cool man I totally agree i listen to what you guys say and i think back to what i heard and then i think back to what you say and i think wow these two things are completely in agreement it's reminiscent of Nine Inch Nails. However, I do detest Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> so pretty much all checks out. Uh, moving on to Top 10 Severed. All right. Sorry, I muted myself instead of unmuting myself. So uh, here we go. Top 10 Severed. Um, so this is more industrial even. The drums have that machine-like feel. It's a syncopated fast groove with loads of snare. You've got the snare on beat one. You get that in a lot of industrial music beats. Distorted synths, that really nice dubby bass again. Harmony vocals are here again. And actually, just harking back to something that Brandon said, very David Bowie-esque, more in his sort of late 90s period, I would say, and in fact, this started to remind me of his of Bowie's album, Earthling, which I think was from about two years before this, which was very influenced by Nine Inch Nails. Um, so I don't know if that's what these guys or what Chris Connolly perhaps had been listening to. Um, but but yeah, it reminded me of that. So I guess I guess I'm noticing that those 
that variation in his vocal style, which we noted when we did Murder Inc. But I feel like it works. It doesn't. It didn't feel forced here, um, and it felt confident. So yeah, brilliant chorus as well. Um, very very Bowie, very Nine Inch Nails. This time we've got two chords in a song. I think for the first time because they've all, they've pretty much all been one chord jams so far, which is going to be very much a running theme. Um, but it's the same two chords on repeat for the whole thing, verse and chorus, and and that's not um, to um, to denigrate it in any way. I love stuff like that when it when it's done well. Um, there's no reason why one chord can't be ten times better than ten chords. Um, in some cases so yeah re really like it there's some noisy guitars some abrasive synths um and it's just a great struck balance in this between the song structure and the drone jam nature of it and also the industrial harshness and abrasion and then the sort of poppy um listenable element um and lyrics sounded interesting. I didn't pick up on many lyrics throughout this but they sounded interesting. So again big tick for me really enjoying it. I think his uh, Connolly's like David Roy both there's a part of it where I really like where like his voice is kind of you know he's kind of singing over a quiet part and then like they add that big fat fucking bass line back and it just like hits so hard. Uh, I think this song is the heaviest on the album and it's also like my favorite. Like I don't know I love the way he does his um this is another song where I love the way he does his rhythms with the way he wrote his lyrics and stuff, you know. Like the lyrics don't make sense, but they they rhyme so perfectly, which is something as a songwriter that I find comforting to see the other people do it because it's a crush of mine as well, you know. And so it's cool to see the way he does. It's like he's not rhyming, but he kind of is. And so I just think this is a song where, like, the whole band kind of does cool stuff, but Chris Connolly's work I think is really really important and cool on this song, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's the, certainly the the most metal song on the album, I think. I'm so happy you guys are enjoying this. <laughs> My kid, where we we listened to the album this morning when we were running errands, tried to get a haircut, but my barber was sick for the fourth Saturday in a row. Uh, I'm getting concerned for him, but uh, I also needed a haircut, so we listened to it in the car in the nice sound system. I mean, as nice a sound system as a Nissan Leaf can have, but uh, I don't hear any of these cool things you're hearing. Kid says to me, we're round about this track. She goes, Dad, this is, this is disjointed. And I'm like, yeah, kid. I don't know what they're doing either. So next, they're coming up with the very, it's a very, very simple story it's a very very easy plot line for everyone to follow the peep show ghosts okay so the peep show ghosts sounds like a scooby-doo episode um <laughs> what well, scooby-doo are you guys getting over there if they got peep shows <laughs> well yeah okay all right yeah and yeah i get, I get it um so yeah this starts with Filter sweep repeatery synths I've written. Uh, repeatery. That was a strange thing to write, but essentially what I mean is they're going. So there you go. I've done one of my um, infamous uh, vocal demonstrations of a musical instrument. I believe staccato. 
might have been yeah, the word you were looking for. No, it wasn't. Listen, I'm very familiar with staccato as a music educator, but no, it wasn't. It's the literally the idea that you've set, a, you've got a synth and you've put the repeater on, which means you hold down one note and it plays the same note again and again in a rhythm. So it's not an arpeggiator because that's different notes. This is just the one note. So I'm just being very specific. Here. But I like the word um, staccato. I like it as well, but it doesn't mean that. So I'm not going to use it. The uh, word but I you are, my but, is stomping. There you go. I mean, to be fair, it is staccato as well. So I, I, I absolutely concede that. But it's not just staccato. It's more specific than that. Um, anyway, you've got some distorted. Um, no, you haven't. I'm, oh, I'm reading the wrong notes. But you probably have got something distorted in it. So look, it kicks in with these steady, groovy drums and these big, jangling, swirly guitars. And they're great. And I'm really liking Jody Walker's work on this record. Um, you know, it, it's it's subtle, but there's... If you don't, if you just listen casually, it kind of sounds like a wall of noise rock guitars. Nothing wrong with that. I'm into that. But within that, there's so much nuance and subtlety and little um, arpeggio things that he's doing and all sorts of slightly odd jazz chord changes and chord extensions. And it's brilliant stuff. Anyway, but there's some more harmony vocals and he's keeping the style pretty consistent. Again, um, is Chris Connolly. And it's got this major chord psychedelic feel, but with the the menace of the um, the slightly industrial um, edge there as well. And it's actually the same two chords. I, th I think in a different key with the same two chords as in the previous song. But you know what? That works for me. We'll just keep those two chords. Um, the hypnotic nature of it. That that's what this album is all about. It's like electronic dance music where it's hypnotic, it's repetitive, but it's all about those subtle changes in energy. Things build up, things drop away. Um, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Um, it's a bit bluesy in places, and you've got this kind of mashed up, effecty, chuggy metal riff at one point. Um, another, uh, yeah, perhaps along with the last song, um, another time when it sort of gets close to metal. Um, but yeah, great guitars, um, and I, again, really, really like this. I'm just really enjoying this whole record, the sound of it, the feel of it, the energy of it, everything. Uh, so with this song, I started to notice a trend about this album. It's going to sound maybe a little bit corny, but like I noticed after this, like the whole album starts to feel like, uh, like you're in kind of like a, a haunted nightclub. And like almost like forced to dance, like it's not necessarily organically. You're not dancing for fun. It's just kind of a thing. And this song was the first one where I started to feel like that. Like you know, like where because eventually the album just keeps from here. It just gets weirder and weirder and more dancing, more trippy and more chaotic. You know. But like this one specifically, like like I love the the stompy drums, and like. I just uh, I love how this song is kind of like the beginning of like the chaotic part of it. I I, I can understand that, and I love that you guys are be are able to see really deep into this. And I mean, I've always said when it comes to music, you have to know how to hear it to be able to appreciate it. And this is just not a style of music that I know how to hear. That's Does it just... sound like elevator music to you? Kind of. Yeah, it, I feel that. It just sounds like this thing that's going on all at once and 
once in a blue moon, I can hear like the wah-wah guitars in the background or the swirly synths or the nice little bass riff. But for the most part, I don't get any of that. So, you know, it's just kind of like going through a sunset gun, whatever that hey, means. Hey, the puns are back. <laughs> this is this is good. The puns are back. A sunset gun brackets 303 edit, don't forget. Um, I don't know exactly what they uh, mean by that. It's the only edit of this song on the album. Oh no, it isn't. There are there are actually two versions of the song uh, on this album. So I, I'll 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 stop getting things wrong and rambling on about them incorrectly. How about that? So this kicks in with essentially what. Now, Nick, you must. We'll come back to what Nick thinks in a minute. But surely you, Nick, yeah. must have noticed the when the levy breaks drums, like the drums just kick in, and it's when yes. the levy breaks. I mean, you right. can't miss that. Yeah. I mean, the, right. the when the levy breaks drums, it, it's it's a long-standing known fact that I hate them, and I hate them <laughs> because they're so good and they're the best drums ever. And so far. We've had 875,000 different attempts to recreate the when the levee breaks drums and no one has gotten within a country mile of it. Yeah, I, I look, I get what you're saying, but I, I don't I, it's never going to sound exactly like when the levee breaks, but it's that thing. And you know what? I think this is brilliant. Um, and it's not exactly when the levee breaks, but it's that thing. And it's a bit more hip hopified, I guess. Um and actually, when the guitar riff kicks in, it's also a bit like a weird mangled version of um, Jimmy Page's "When the Levee Breaks" riff. Um, but it really works. It's not. It's not quite close enough to those things for it just to be a strange cover version. It's, it's just a little homage or reference in there. Or I, I felt that there was um, in the guitars. But it's great. It's a really cool, bluesy, but just slightly odd, off-kilter, kind of flipped on its head, subverted riff. And, and it's great. And Jordy Walker's just brilliant at doing stuff like that. Um, the vocals are bluesy, more of a punky, bluesy shout but I really like them. So he's changing up his styles a bit, but it's working every time so far, at least. And um, yeah, they're doing the whole one chord drone thing, just like when the levy breaks is for the, for the most of that song. Um, vocals get distorted as the guitars drop out and it's a, it's a brilliant little breakdown. And there's actually some vinyl scratch effects, which like that sounds awful. When, when I say that, it sounds like a really terrible idea to do a vinyl scratch in the middle of an album like this, but it absolutely for me completely works and doesn't feel forced or or strange. So for me, this is like really, it's a stylistic fusion that just of, of the sort that very rarely works without feeling feeling forced or just being terrible. And somehow it's just all absolutely working for me. You know, you've got the hip hop, you've got the dance music, you've got the post punk thing, you've got the industrial metal all working together and it, and it doesn't feel it feels weird but weird in a good way it doesn't feel awful or unnatural or jarring um so yeah really really like it uh to me i think that this song i really love like the verses and like the groove of the whole thing and like i think it's got a very strong and expressive chorus and it's like uh like this is the perfect I don't know what the lead single for this album would have been, but like if I was the band or their like uh record label person, I would have chosen this song as the single because it's just the catchiest. And also I feel like it's the one that really 
everyone shines so much that it's kind of obvious that it's a bunch of like fucking musical like legends doing this stuff kind of thing you know and uh yeah this was the song on the album before I, that, that when i first listened to it on the first pass through i was like oh fuck this rules if i didn't know better i would have sworn on this on this song because it, it it's twice we get this song twice that they were actually sampling the beastie Boys sampling when the levy breaks along with the vinyl scratch i don't know if that's how it was or if that's how it wasn't but that's just what it reminded me of and when you're like that you don't have any place to live you're stateless okay well stateless and this is the delusional mix of stateless another track which appears twice on the record in different forms um it's faster it's um more dancey um than the previous one you've got this four to the floor stomp and so we're getting into very very electronic dance music territory in in fact i think it might even be um a programmed kick drum i'm not certain about that um because a lot of these drums you can tell they are live but they've been made to sound almost electronic in the in, in the production this time i think that kick drum might be electronic and who knows maybe it's just processed heavily but um it's a bit like a breakbeat drum and bass kind of thing but but with a four to the floor kick um i really like it it's repetitive it's hypnotic you know repetitive in a really good way um you've got these grinding harsh synths that come in and these shouted again bluesy punky vocals and they're brilliant absolutely great um and then it hits a breakdown and jar wobbles just there doing this what was i think some journalists described jar wobbles bass lines as impossibly deep um on on metal box the second second public image limited album and it's it just reminded me of that phrase it's just brilliant when it just cuts out and um everything else pretty much cuts out apart from jar wobbles um amazing dub bass and it's just right there um so yeah, there's some sitar-esque psychedelic hippie-ishness going on in the I think I think synths. Um, but who knows? There are some sitar, some real sitars later on. So it could have been real sitars just processed a lot. But um yeah, it's it's great. I I again this is a great example of it. This is real, we're into real proper dance floor territory here, but there's the heavy guitars, you know, it's techno with with heavy rock guitars over the top and stuff like that often for me is horrendous and just doesn't work. But here somehow it really does for me, at least Um, love the energy. There's a bit where you think it's about to end and it's like, okay, that's been a really good song, but then bang, it crashes back in um, with renewed vigor. And, you know, it's just like one of those dance floor moments where everyone thinks uh, the thing's finished and they start, you know, moving towards the bar and then bang, it's crashed in with 10 times the energy. And uh, yeah, uh, so I I think this is great as well. I, uh, I, I share a lot of the same sentiments as you, honestly. Like I, my favorite part of it is the scream that Chris Connolly does, just like that horrifying scream with the, the cool dance beat, you know? And like, it's, uh, you know, this the, the dancing elements of this song is very aggressive and i think it's cool and also i I love i I also love the ending when the voice drops out and it just like comes back that music uh 
that specific moment it reminds me a lot of the band Godflesh. I don't know if y'all have listened to them, but yeah, like for they sure, do a for lot sure. Of, they do a lot of dubs and that that kind of it reminds me very much of like of that. And it feels like uh if this album was a movie, this is the part where like you take the drugs and it starts to like kick in and now you're just like, oh shit. And then you just kind of like find yourself like having I don't know, it's just really uh, I think that's like it's very very trippy. You know what I mean? Well, I, I love that description. I, I love that kind of thing. That's kind of how when I used to review music on the regular, that was kind of how I would do it. Is I would try to give you the picture that that pops up in my head from when I when I hear what you play. But moving on, if you're going to take drugs to get your mind going, you hope you expand. <laughs> All right. Well, expand. Yeah, it has some pretty fast break beaty drums again. Vocal draws. Now, this is where I wasn't sure about the vocal style because it's so John Lydon. So, so, so John Lydon. The way the melodies are written and the way they're sung. It does sound great, but it's a bit too derivative of John Lydon's style in Public Image Limited. Um, I mean, I get it. He's playing with two of the members of Public Image Limited. Um they were going to get John Lydon on the record. Maybe they even wrote it and he was just singing it. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, you know what? It, it does work. It's just that, that would be a small um, minus instead of a plus on this, uh, this record. But um, yeah, um, some bleepy glitchy synths, that amazing jar wobble bass when it kicks in, keeps building and building. And then you've got some sitar with lots of reverb and delay at the end. But yeah. Enjoyed it in spite of the little um, gripe about the vocal style there. Yeah, I actually really liked the vocals on this one, uh, mostly because I guess I just like, I don't know, I just think it's interesting the way Chris Connolly does different styles, you know, on each song and stuff. And then, like like you said, the bass line that starts thumping in the song is really cool. And it's like when there's like this mix of the throbbing bass and like these desperate vocals and then the drums that I had in my notes is, uh, is very sexy. Like, um, you know, it's, uh, this is a cool song. Also the sitar at the end is like the perfect lead into like the next track. I think that might be the first usage of the word throbbing on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Let's try not to make it the last. touche touche anyway uh you thought it was sexy i thought it was eh. one of us is probably in denial okay well denial track eight so it starts with what i have described on here uh, written phonetically as we are since so i think they went So there you go. Um, Then it kicks in with a very public image limited style psychedelic drone with Keith Levine-esque guitars, original public image limited guitar player. Um, Yeah, and perhaps I thought maybe the verse here wasn't as interesting melodically and it felt like perhaps not a particular high point of the album. But then when it kicked in with the chorus... I was like, actually, the chorus is really catchy. And now the verse in context sort of works because it builds up into that chorus, sort of bluesy, grungy-ish melodies delivered in that type of style. But um, yeah, great sound, great energy, great dynamics, like the vocal harmonies, good song again. I, uh, I like how this song, like, it's like after the crazy, weird, like, 
uh, like trippy dance break and stuff. It's like back to being moody and like brooding and stuff, you know. And it's like uh, and kind of a trip away from the electronic stuff. And uh, I also like that that opening uh, <laughs> synth or whatever that bassy like. See, to me, I guess it sounded more like bass or whatever. It was really cool. Also, the vocals on this remind me a little bit of like I don't know if this sounds weird, but it reminds me a bit of like Lou Reed. Um, also, I uh, I love uh, Jaw Wobble's throbbing bass line on this one as well. Well done. All righty, so we've got a throbbing Lou Reed bass line on this one. <laughs> this is some very excellent broadcasting. You're muted. Oh, sorry. I said, well done. The puns are really flowing now, and we're into track nine, which is indeed called broadcasting. So this has a 6-8 weird industrial tense groove. This this was a standout track in the sense, not necessarily because it was the best. It, it was really good, but because of the, the feel of it was... Um, unique and individual uh so yeah it's in six eight for a start but they're accenting all the eighth beats and all the off beats in between so it's like this really tense and um there's hardly any bass in this the bass just comes in about halfway through sporadically so it's just so so tense and keeps building and building and you're like when's it gonna when am i gonna get some release here and it never does it just it just continually builds that tension until the end but it's um it, it's very very effective and the chorus by the time it actually gets to the second or third iteration it's like this massive queen style really upbeat um what's the word uh elated sort of major key multi-layer harmony thing and 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 the counterpoint between that like almost like we are the champions or something but with this really dark tense um heavy drumming um and sporadic bass it's um yeah it's quite something i enjoyed it very much i uh i wrote down in my notes that the vocals on this sound kind of druggy and like so like that mixture of like the electronics the drums and like the crooning like druggy vocals like is very uh and also like the way it sounds really desperate and trippy and like scary is kind of cool um also i really like the the chanting that they do in this song um and for whatever reason it feels like this song almost feels like uh the ending of like I don't know if it would be this would be like the ending of a side of a record but it feels very much like almost an, an if they wanted to end the album there and make it an EP, they could have, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying, man. Yeah. Any more on that one, Brandon, or are we, uh, sh or shall we pass on to Nick? Oh yeah, we can pass on to Nick. I mean, that one, you know, that's, I don't, it's, you know, again, it's sort of the same, you know, now the album reaches the territory where it gets a bit more repetitive and kind of, now it gets repetitive. Jesus Christ. Um, sorry, this this whole album has been... It, it was like me trying to write a guitar riff back in 1994 when I had gotten my guitar that week to me. I'm being rude. I apologize. Well, we're now back to Sunset Gun. I'm not even going to make a pun for that. 
Okay, well, yeah, this is Sunset Gun. Brackets, full Monty, sunny orb up mix. Or is it fully Monty, sunny orb up mix? Um, I, I don't even know. I don't know whether None I None of that makes any that. sense. Um, I've got, the thing is, I don't have the, the notes for this album and it doesn't have its own Wikipedia page. Um, I will tell you now, actually, that I, I, no, I won't tell you now. I'll tell you at the end. So anyway, um, I'm guessing it might be somebody from the orb the orb are um a british uh duo who do electronic ambient chill out music and yeah i a have connect- a i have a david gilmore record with them on it it's them yes. and david gilmore of course yeah which i haven't heard i would like to actually um but it's, yeah i, I it's like a them a whole lot. vibe right 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 so i've got a feeling this involves one of them basically or both of them um, but yeah, it starts with some uh, film music and dialogue. I think it's in Spanish. Then it kicks in with those levy breaks, drums again, differently affected. Some more different whirring, wee-owing synths and that dark dub dance bass. Um, and yeah, look, it, it's this mix for me is it, quite different. It's um, they've cut out all the vocals, and it, it's like a dub mix. There's the only vocals are little sampled sort of snatches of, of vocal clips from I think movie dialogue and stuff. I don't I don't think Chris Connolly's singing on it at all. Um, so there we are. But yeah, it continues in that vein. Um, really like the energy. Really like the dynamics and that whole idea of. The subtle changes, you know, we talk about things being repetitive and how that can be bad. And of course it can. But um, what what electronic music is about is, is those very subtle changes in energy that just um, impact the way that those um, those repetitions are, are felt and the, the emotion and the. Uh, the feel the feel of the music and there's this that that's what this is all about it's kind of what this whole album's about but very much so on this song and it just it just works great the the dynamic contour of it is is spot on so yeah it's like a dub mix basically um i probably could have just said that couldn't i but i enjoyed it a lot i think uh i think it's a nice little reprise especially because this is like you know with this being the song that i like the most it's cool but like it feels like now the song is taking a bunch of fucking drugs. And so, like, all the lyrics that were, like, once kind of made, I don't know, a little bit of sense and felt kind of catchy, like, and reminded me of David Bowie, now it feels more like a electronic-infused descent into, like, madness. So, it, you know, with the, the scream and stuff in it, it's, it's cool, but and it's familiar, and it's, like, but it's also very abrasive and, like, spooky version you know what i mean it's like the halloween version of sunset gun the, uh, the original version of the song or whatever you know you know both times when this song came up and it started off with the the the, the spoken word each time i swear to god i thought it was a commercial on the youtube stream i actually <laughs> did i actually did think that um at one point yeah but uh there's no one to blame and i've got nothing to demand Next track, Blame and Demand, Wobble, Loswell Hybrid Edit. Yeah, and this is the only um the, the only version of this of, of this song. There isn't a different mix or edit or whatever. But but anyway, so um yeah, dub bass, wah 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 since I've written. Um so some spoken word stuff going on. Um 
Yeah, Chris Connolly's um, Scottish accent is very clear when he does the spoken word, not so much when he's singing. Um, but but it works. The combination uh, works. I, I think somehow he did some of that on the Murder Inc. album, and maybe I wasn't as into it. But this this works for me. So yeah, it, it kicks in with super fast, not super fast, but pretty fast industrial drums and some of those interesting odd chords on the guitar as well. And you know what? This is the first time we've had three chords in a song, I believe. It's still repeating the same three chords over and over again for the whole thing, but there are three distinct chords in this one. So um, that was notable for me. Um, melodies are brilliant in this one. Um, it builds and builds. Again, It's I'm not going to keep saying the same thing, but it's doing that whole thing with the energy and the subtle changes and the dropouts and the building up. Um, but it re really brilliant. This one is probably where they got at their most killing jokey. And the vocal style is um, quite jazz Coleman. And the, the just the style of the of of the music we're in. We're into industrial territory now, which is sort of what I expected from the whole album. Um, so uh, but yeah, it, it all works great for me. I uh, I like how creepy and disorienting like the song starts out. And then, like, it kind of progresses and sound like it's a song from, like, uh, I don't know if you're, like, familiar with, like, the 90s, like, horror movies and stuff. Like, they would have this certain type of song that would play in the commercials. And it was always either Stabbing Westward, Filter, Nine Inch Nails, or something that sounded like one of those bands. And this is kind of, like, what that reminded me of a lot, you know? Um and like uh, that, that industrial, like catchy with like the big guitars and like that. This is where Jordy Walker really like. I think it's it sounds really cool, you know, like a lot of his work on this song. But like also Chris Connolly's vocals, like I think, you know, the chorus is super catchy, and his song definitely does a lot of wonders for this song to keep it from sounding incredibly boring. I would agree with everything you said about the the sound the and then the bands they use to you know create that '90s horror sound trailer and you know what I just hate all those bands <laughs> so it uh, yeah I guess I'm just an addict and I got some damage. All right, so damage addicts Laswell mix, but I think again this is the only version of Damage Addict on the record. Laswell must be Bill Laswell. Um, I don't know who produced this album. Um, I guess it wasn't Bill Laswell, but he's, uh, you know, a pretty big name producer. He's done all sorts of stuff, bass player as well, and collaborated with all sorts of different musicians as well. Um, really interesting guy. Um, but yeah, this has a groovy breakbeat-ish uh, drum, drum beat. And then you've got this kind of dub gone wrong bass line. It's sort of three quarters of it is a dub bass line. Then it just does a few, whoa, a few odd notes that are, um, you know, strange in a good way. Um, so, yeah, vo the vocals are very killing jokey again, actually, uh, on this one. You've got a lot of one note shouts and... Um, some nice noise rock guitars going on um gets the guitar sound gets more and more weird and noisy as it goes on uh, as does the playing um and yeah it's brilliant R really enjoying those Geordie Walker guitars here um 
again and there's some odd single spoken words um and it just gets more and more hypnotic and i would say public image limited-esque as it continues um but yeah great song and some catchy catchy elements as well uh you know this album doesn't you know it's still a pop album some of the time a lot of it is very listenable and very poppy it is weird it is noisy it is a mishmash of styles they do only have one chord in most of the songs but there's definitely a very um a very big element of pop sensibility going on so there you go i liked it Yes, I definitely think it's very poppy. It's very, very dancey. It's like my favorite type of like dance music in a lot of ways, you know. Also, I think that the vocal hook in this song really fits the danceiness really well. Um, yeah, I think it's funny because uh, the the vocals in this song are cool, but you look at the lyrics and I'm like, I don't know what the hell any of this means. And uh, it's like, I don't know, it's so. Uh, it's so interesting the way that he does his, his, you know, vocals and his lyrics and stuff. Um, also, I thought that the loops and samples on this were really cool. And it's funny that it sounds like Nine Inch Nails by a bunch of dudes who inspired Nine Inch Nails. And, uh, and then also, um, I think this reminds me a little bit of the Nine Inch Nails song with Teeth, which didn't actually come out, or, well, the album, which didn't actually come out until about Oh five, oh five, yeah, two thousand and five, yeah, great album and song, but yeah, it has it reminds me a lot of that kind of that has that kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely hear that, and let's just uh, move on into stateless part two. Yeah, well, this one there's probably not as much to say about about it to me. I've only listened to this album once and it didn't feel like a very different version. This is a, the Laswell mix, I guess, Bill Laswell mix. Um, yeah, the sitar was at the start rather than at the end. Other than that, there was nothing really obvious that I could say was different. I'm sure if I A-B tested them, I'd noticed loads of difference, but it just felt like another version of Stateless. This one felt like the bonus track, Um I think so, but, but, you know, it's, it was great again, but I'm not going to say all the same things about it that I said before. So to me, this song, uh, it's like, I don't know. I, I really love the sitar and the wobbly bass and like the scream and stuff. But, uh, until Chris Connolly started singing, I'm going to be real with you. This kind of, this song kind of sounds like a rock, like a bad Rob zombie song. And then like, once he starts singing, it just kind of sounds like a Nine Inch Nails song. This really is weird. the song that just sounded like Dragula. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I, I can tell you exactly where I was the first time I heard it, because it was today. It, we were coming out of the Dollar Tree store after buying crap for Christmas, a bunch of chocolate and some do-it-yourself uh, 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 Christmas ornaments that my wife wants to make, which I don't know why, because we have a thousand. But maybe they're gifts. I don't know. And I remember getting in the car, hearing the mighty nothing of my electric vehicle, my little tiny Nissan Leaf, and I just hear, and I could see the, the, the video for Dracula in my head. And it's like, what are you even doing, bro? So, I'm glad we both felt that. I'm glad we both heard the Rob Zombie in this song. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Thank you for that. Moving on into my sum up, um, obviously for this record, uh, clearly I'm a Bennett. 
this is just not the kind. And I was never going to be anything other than a Bennett. I fought very hard against doing this album for at least a year now because I knew I would not enjoy it. But the reason why I don't enjoy it isn't because of the quality of the music, the quality of the musicians or anything like that. It's just not the kind of music I enjoy. I do enjoy slow, repetitive metal, but not slow, repetitive, single chord metal. There's got to be changes and like sleep and uh, Electric Wizard and um, uh, Opium Warlords and, you know, stuff like that. I love... Ahab, blah, blah, blah. But this just is not, it was never going to be something for Nick. This That, that was written yeah. in the stars before we started. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought it might go this way. Um, this is, yeah, these albums, these industrial ones have never been your thing. I know it's not your style. So apologies for that. But um, yeah, so for me, as you can probably tell, I'm a spinet, but it's even more than that. This is what I was going to mention earlier. So since we've been doing this podcast, that we've done some records that I already owned that I knew I liked, but there so far have only been two albums that I've not heard before. And then I've listened to for the podcast and I've thought, this is so good. I've got to buy it straight away. This now number it's three. three. Number three. Now it's three. Yeah. Yeah. So I by about track six, I found this on Discogs and bought it because I thought we're about halfway through and it's been brilliant. And even if it was only half an hour of brilliance, that'll do. Um, it's enough for me. So yes, absolutely. Um resolutely and emphatically in the spin it camp for this one. In case anybody's oh, I... wondering, for me, it's one album that we had never heard that I bought. And Duncan also bought that one, too. It was a uh, Paul Kantner uh, Jefferson Starship record. It was, yeah. And the other one, let's just we might as well get it all out there since we're saying this, was Lulu by Metallica and Lou Reed, which I expected to hate. I do not like Metallica, but I absolutely loved that record. So there And you go. I, in solidarity... I bought a Lulu record, or I'm sorry, I bought a Lou Reed record because I already had and, Lulu. And I, I've, I've already got Lulu on vinyl, which is now going for over $500 on Discogs. Holy shit. I got it for $25. <laughs> nice. So I think and not selling. Album, uh, for me, I think the damage manual is a massive spin. Uh, I really, really, really like this album a lot. You know, it's... Uh, it's very, it's very catchy. It's very dancey. It's very aggressive and abrasive. And it sounds like a lot of the cool bands that I like to listen to. You know what I mean? Whenever I want to listen to that type of music. Now, like, it's not something I'm going to listen to all the time, but I can see myself if I've got, you know, if I've got some writing to do and focus, like need to focus, like that this is now I could put it on in the background and just let it ride. And it would be a very good little musical soundtrack, you know, that's not too distracting. Whereas, you know, if I listen to Slayer, I'm going to want to bang my head on my desk. Whereas, like, with this music, I can just kind of nod my head and chill, you know. Everybody likes different things. That's what makes the world such a beautiful thing. Duncan, as always, I'm sorry, did you have something to say? Get that get that face. No, I was just going to basically agree um, with some of what Brandon said, or probably pretty much all of what Brandon said Um but yeah, yeah, no, it's so it's you you go now. I'll stop doing the thing where I, I'm trying to explain that I don't have something to say, and in the process, saying rather a lot. 
As always, Duncan, it is a delightful pleasure, and I enjoy our weekly chats. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Everybody who is listening to this far and wide, check out Mammoth Caravan by the vinyl like I just did while Duncan was saying nothing. It is a really cool splatter, some really cool, I would have called it crust, but I'm Nick, so, you know, whatever. I am what I am. Everybody, thank you for listening. We are a small content creator podcast, and we appreciate every ear and eyeball that, that hits us and could not be more and more humbled that you chose to listen to this little thing. Just please keep in mind, do us one favor. Give us a review, give us a subscribe, and tell a friend. If you do those three things, if you've never done them before, the the amount of effort, the, the amount we will receive for the compared to the effort you will put in is exponentially different. And even if you don't, thank you for listening. Please join us next week when hopefully we listen to something I like. This has been the uh, the Department of Metal Antiquities. We listened, and now it's your turn. <laughs>